Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome to I Do Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship and self-help experts to help you improve yourself and the relationships in your life. Whether you're single, dating, married, or struggling in a relationship, we're here to help give you the tools to succeed. In today's episode, there's going to be a lot of great tools to help improve your relationship from Dr. Julie Colwell, and we talk about how to know if your relationship is worth saving and the tools to use to help save it and bring it back to life. So definitely listen for the two questions to ask yourself if you're debating on trying to save a relationship, how to move from a reactive brain to an open focus brain, why it's important to wait 15 minutes for your adrenaline to metabolize in your body before you continue in an argument or a conflict with your spouse, the cost of not being true to yourself in a relationship, and how to notice the sensations in your body to react mindfully during conflict. So we're really excited to bring all this information to you today. A lot of great stuff, and we appreciate you listening. And We always love to have feedback on our episodes and any ideas for future episodes. You can send to info at idopodcast.com. And it's always great to hear from you guys. Uh, Last week, Jacob left us a review that was really nice because, you know, we put this information out there and it helps us in our relationship. And we hope that we're helping you guys, but we really don't know uh, how it's being received. So when we get the reviews, it's really great to hear. And Jacob says... I stumbled across your podcast and the wealth of knowledge that has been provided has opened more doors inside of me to examine and heal that I've had in my 33 years of life so far. I even provided that podcast to my therapist so she could pass along to others. So keep the episodes coming. Jacob, thanks so much for that review. And it's really great to to have that kind of feedback just because uh, it makes us feel good that, that we're helping people because... Like I said, we get we get the value, but uh, we're here putting it out to to help our listeners. So thanks for that, Jacob, and any of you guys out there that find the information helpful or want some topics covered, definitely leave comments on iTunes and let us know. And as always, you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. It's a website kind of like Kickstarter where creatives are making content, singers, artists, other podcasters. So we would greatly appreciate it. Also, amazon.com. You can find the links on the show notes page as well as the episode description on iTunes. We get a credit, a small credit for the purchases that you buy on there. Black Friday is coming up. Christmas is coming up. So please use the link on our website and we'll get a few shekels for for those purchases. And lastly, audibletrial.com forward slash I do podcast. If you haven't tried it already, it's an awesome resource. Thousands and thousands of audiobooks on there. And when you use our link, you get a free 30-day trial as well as a free audiobook. So if you haven't read The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman yet, check it out. Use it as your free book from audibletrial.com forward slash 
I do podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone. Today we have Dr. Julie Caldwell with us. Thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here. Dr. Julie Colwell is a psychologist, teacher, relationship expert, and author of Relationship Ride and the Relationship Skills Workbook. She is also the founder of the Boulder Center for Conscious Community. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I think it all started when I was about 12 and I uh, found issues of my mother's uh, uh, ladies home journal and I think there was something uh, called uh, can this marriage be saved and I loved that whole thing they'd go into you know some terrible relationship and it just looked like it was going to be on the rocks but in the end the um, therapist figured out a way to pull, pull it through so I was very intrigued by that and uh, how just a few things that you could do could actually really help and um, support folks to to move through really tough times so it happened way back then, but now I've spent about 30 years hanging out and uh, helping couples and other folks with relationships. Wow. And you were only 12 years old, you said? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Now I have to say I'm not 42. I'm almost 60 now. So there was a, a big gap in there of, of going to school, but uh, I think it all started then. Well, that's awesome. And you saw like the superhero uh, therapist saving <laughs> the marriage. Right. Exactly. Very appealing. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we're going to have a lot of valuable advice for our listeners today. And we're going to zero in on the topic. Uh, you created an ebook about it. And um, that's how we found you. And is your relationship worth saving? And it, yes. it, I think it's a really important topic because people that are not in a healthy relationship sort of need to understand that and either work to to create a healthy one or uh, get out of something that's toxic. Yes, I think it's on people's mind. Uh, well, probably with any difficult interaction or, you know, big fight, people are probably thinking, you know, what the heck am I doing here and do I want to stay? So um, I've found that that is like a burning question that's uh, that people ask over time. So, yeah, it's a great topic. Yeah, and so what might be the number one indicator I know it's usually pretty complicated, but that a relationship is not healthy and that it's not fixable. Is there one particular thing that stands out? Um, in all my years of doing this, um, there I can remember two different times when I uh, a couple came in and I said, no, I, this is not going to work. Um, one of the times was uh, when one of the people had broken the other one's nose and they came in and sat oh. down and sort of plunked down. And, um, it just looked to me like they're just, they had used up their resources. They were, there just was no place to go. Um, the other time, gee whiz, can I even remember it? Uh, it, oh, it's usually when one person, uh, has, is coming in, they're just done. Like they're, they're out of gas. They just basically are bringing the, their partner in, um, to drop them off and have me take care of them now <laughs> is what I've decided. But um, in terms of what do I see as the indicators, um, it's, it's a, it is a complicated um, question to try to answer because so often if people can actually get down to what is really making them crazy in the relationship, what really is so frustrating in their interactions, I don't know, sometimes they can actually get down to the truth and then we have a 
some air and we can say, wow, do you want to be in this relationship? Which is different from I'm so frustrated I can't stand this relationship. It's, it's different. Um, so ultimately, I ask people two things about should they stay. Um, the, the first question is, are you still learning something? Um, and the second one is, do you think there's any movement happening? Because I, I really believe that people are in relationships. Um, here's my big overview. I think that we are teaching ourselves from a soul level uh, what we most need to learn. And usually we've chosen the perfect teacher. So if if there's still something I'm learning, that's a reason to stay. And if I think there's actually movement happening where we each are getting somewhere instead of we're just so stuck and we're, uh, we've been spinning our wheels literally sometimes for years and years and we're just getting deeper and deeper into what doesn't work. I love that uh, about the soul and, and helping to find what's inside of yourself because I think so much of a relationship is certainly about the other person, but it's really a lot of just fixing and working on yourself. Yeah, it uh, relationships are so useful in that way. Yeah. <laughs> they really if we can if we can actually uh stand to look at ourselves, whatever we're being triggered about is uh that's the spotlight on what we need to be looking at within us. And again, our our partners are generally very helpful in helping us be triggered. So it's yeah. a, it yeah. works great that way. In, in the old adage, uh, opposites attract. In that, you well, know, yeah. you you have these. I don't know if you, depending on the person, but the character flaws. And I'm very impatient, and Sarah has incredible patience. So <laughs> it kind of makes me, especially having a, a one year old daughter now. It, yeah, right. it gives me like this mirror to reflect on my impatience through just watching her in in her life how lovely that you can also see sarah as a teacher then um instead of just you know somebody to make you feel bad or you know, right right or, or you can be mad at her because she's always you know has the high ground or whatever so yeah i really appreciate that you've been able to uh, let yourself learn from her instead of um, just being frustrated about that and what would you tell someone that, that maybe say they're in a situation like that, but the partner is sort of critical of them and, and it's kind of not working out? Um, is there something like a, a step that they can take that uh, to move forward? Yes, I think that just you hit on that criticalness, I think is such a relationship killer. And of course, it's easy for most of us to do. I actually think it has to do with a particular brainwave we get into. Um, uh, there's a wonderful book by a man named Femi, F-E-H-M-I, called The Open Focus Brain. And he talks about how we get into narrow focus. And I think it's easy for um, people to get triggered into more of a reactive brain where all they can see is what's wrong, what's wrong in a relationship. And with relationships being, again, so uh, so apt to trigger people, um, we would generally go into reactive brain and then all we can kind of do is see what's wrong. So I think people um, get confused because they think it's true. Uh, if I see these things that are wrong with you, I'm right, and it's accurate. And so then my job is to help you um, fix those things that are wrong. And I think it's pretty easy to get into that pattern um, versus kind of stepping back and saying, oh, I'm in this 
particular state of consciousness where all I can see all around me is what's wrong and you mm-hmm. just happen to be in front of me. So I need to dial it back and start to look for what's right, to actually shift and, and look for what I can appreciate and to, to go wider and see what is right. Yeah, I think that's really true. Like when you're frustrated or stressed out, everything frustrates and stresses you out, you know? And yeah. So yeah. in a relationship, um, you got to sort of step back. So what would you tell someone that's in that reactive brain mode? Is there like a specific thing besides just being consciously aware to, to sort of try to get out of that mode? What a great question. So I, <laughs> I actually think so. Thanks, Chase. I think most of my work is about this very question, which when you boil it down is kind of simple. Um, I think reactive brain, we, we go into it maybe several times in a day, right? If you hear uh, your daughter crying, your, your whole body is going to physiologically shift to, you know, I got to do something. What's wrong? And there's that urgency that's behind it. Um, and so, yes, how to, how to shift back out of that is the question. Because for the most part, you know, you look around, people are walking around doing their lives and then uh, people get into relationships and they, um, you know, we get so reactive and we start acting very badly because of our reactivity. So if we have um, a, a list really of things that we can do to shift out of our reactivity, we can shift our brains and actually turn back into regular old humans again that can probably solve most issues. Yeah, so like things that that you find through experience that maybe it's meditation or an activity going on a walk, would those be like specific examples? Yes. In fact, um, I would, if your listeners have a piece of paper, um, for them to start a list for themselves of what will help them, I think is would be gold for them. So yes, what you're saying, meditation, going for a walk, anything that you can do that's physical activity, um, uh, put on dance music and jump around the house, um, uh, jump up and down, do anything that actually would get your body to go into a different posture. Typically when we're in conflict, we're already kind of hunkered down into a certain posture. So shifting out of that, um, taking big deep breaths, that whole old, old idea of 10 Take 10 breaths, right? It, yep. People were smart about that. If you can actually take 10 breaths, well, you're going you're gonna to delay everything, and you'll certainly delay your own reactivity and your, your you know, sort of negative response. Um, but then doing other things that really, the, the bigger the list, the better. Um, uh, playing, uh, singing a song. Um, let's see, what else would I do? Uh, my all-time favorite shift move um, for me is I can get really angry at times, um, but this is fail-safe, is a squirt gun fight. (laughs) (laughs) It's impossible to stay mad. I I can be really aggressive with it, but then at some point you just got to start laughing because it's so ridiculous to be squirting someone as an adult. But that kind (laughs) of thing where it's, it's all you're doing is trying to shift your physiology. You're not you're not, by the way, what you're not doing is talking about the issue. That is a terrible idea. If we're in reactive brain, in some ways we're even kind of cognitively impaired. Um, it's all about, you know, fighting and fleeing and freezing, and there's just not much extra thought power. So, yeah, don't talk about the issue until you're back into creative brain. That's like the bottom line for me. Just, I, I I think of duct tape therapy. Put put duct tape over your mouth <laughs> until yeah. until your pulse is down to normal. 
um, and then and then maybe talk about it. Yeah, no, or maybe do something more fun. Yeah, <laughs> I like twerk on fights, but but yeah. yeah, you know, it makes sense. We had another therapist on that said that exercise that they he did actually personally was um, he would say yellow light with his wife, and that was just a. Basically, just a, a verbal cue that yellow light, let's put the brakes on this argument or whatever difficulty they're having, take some time to breathe. For them, it was five minutes and sort of reset. And that, that can be, um, like you're saying, getting out of that reactive brain and shifting back into in, into the creative brain. So the creative brain is, um, we didn't really talk about that, but that's like kind of our standard operating uh, where we want to be. Yep, definitely. It's the green light zone, right? I, I really appreciate that that uh, that idea about the five minutes. Um, so yes, creative brain um, to me is our really our natural state. You know, if we're if we're chill, if we're relaxed, and then we are dreaming. We're saying, yeah, what else could we do? Hey, honey, you know, what about that time off? What do you want to do? With it? Well, we could but that kind of uh, conversation um, really is. Um, nourishing for people for mm-hmm. a couple for for us as individuals uh until we get to the well we tried that already and well the last time we went to that place remember when you really you know and now we've triggered ourselves back into that other state and that's a just a terrible time to try to solve any problem um but we again because of that sense of urgency we tend to uh really want to try to solve the problem right then yep. <laughs> but it's the the worst time for us. Yeah, and then depending on your communication style and like everyone has kind of different timetable. I'm I like to have the thing resolved, you know, when when there's ah, a conflict. Yes. It's just I think it's just part of how who you are and and everyone has has a way of of dealing with conflict and and Sarah prefers to usually wait a little bit. So we have to find a compromise, you know, and, and that's where this, this yellow light idea came where maybe I'm like, all right, let's just talk about it. And, and she's just like, yellow light, give me, give me a little, give me a break. Yeah. Give me a little time. And and I have to respect that. And, and it's not easy, you know, because, but, yeah. but relationships aren't easy, you know, and, and having these tools that you're recommending and the more tools you have, the more you can deal with a problem, a leaky roof. You know, if you have a bunch of different yeah. tools to patch it up, tarps, hammers, nails, you name it. And, and that's what we're trying to give our listeners. So it's all, uh, and we we take it too. So it's all really good advice. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of this one uh, factoid that I like to just support what you're saying. Um, adrenaline takes 15 to 30 minutes to metabolize. Um probably 15 to 20 there's probably a listener that could correct that but it's it's longer than one minute <laughs> so yeah. so if if somebody's in a full-out reactive mode um we really need to give each other that time and space to metabolize whatever chemicals have gone into their um sort of spurted out into their bloodstream that's about st- the stress response so yeah to support that the, the yellow light zone of just give me time for that to process through my system, and then um, my body's going to return to normal, and then then I'm a civilized person again. Well, that's exactly why I feel I need that little break. Is usually something will come out that I will either regret saying or 
I just right. don't say it as as best as I should. And so having that time to kind of calm down usually allows the conversation to go a little smoother. Yes, I um, I think a lot about this, that I think a problem for humans is um, we're threatened animals who can speak. <laughs> so, that, you know, if a dog is threatened, you know, the dog will just bark and then we'll be over it. But if it's a human animal who's threatened, we'll say, you never did like my mother. <laughs> you, know? you just are so thoughtless. And it's those words that then keep the whole thing going and going instead of just rah, 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 and now we're both through it. Um, so, yeah, the words really are the things that cause so many problems. And, um, and Sarah, yeah, I think giving yourself time to be able to actually use better words, that's a good strategy. I, I love that truth. We are threatened animals that can speak. And I think we need to change the yellow light from five minutes to 15 to 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Give you, see, because Chase, then you could like hang out and go do something more yeah, fun. There we go. I might forget why we were even arguing. <laughs> exactly. It's funny when you're back to normal how you can barely even remember. You yeah. know, a couple will come in and say, yeah, we had this huge ha- argument. Well, what was it about? Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it was so important. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Or you remember and you're like, that was ridiculous. That was yeah, the silliest absolutely. thing that I felt so angry about. And I, <laughs> and not to make an excuse for it if it's happening, but I think it, it we truly are being not toyed with by our emotions, but there's chemicals being released in our brain like the adrenaline and or, or lack of something. And, and we really aren't our stable, normal selves, and we're under the influence of these other things. And uh, that's why taking that step back can be so important. Yeah, I really wish that uh, we gave each other more latitude about that, um, that we could just tell each other, like like you, you are talking about, um, yellow light, like I'm in that zone, I'm in reactive brain, and everybody would like, be like, oh, okay. Ah, you know, give Julie some time and she'll, she'll be better instead of, uh, well, come on, we got to get to it. Come on. We have to solve this problem right now. We have to figure out the budget right now. It's like to actually see that as a thing that we, um, if we just give each other time and space, we'll, we'll get through it. And then, um, we're much more capable of trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Come from a place of understanding and and rather than pushing the issue of why can't you talk to me right now or yes. Yeah. Exactly. And all of this is great advice. And, you know, I, I said we would be talking about, we go wherever the conversation takes us, but you <laughs> know, the, the, a relationship worth saving, I think all of this stuff right. is, if someone's asking themselves that question, they're having conflict in the relationship. So these are all tools that they can use to try to, try to resolve um, the conflict that they're having. And then I think what you said in the beginning really kind of supersedes everything that they, someone in asking themselves if they need to save their relationship or not is, are you still learning and is there any movement? And uh, if, if our listeners can remember that to me, then that means there's hope. Right. Because if they say, no, no, I'm not learning anything or we're, or often it goes like this. Well, I would like to learn more. I'd like to go to therapy. I've been reading these books. I went to that workshop but my partner just refuses um, for whatever reason um, that, yeah, that would put kind of more of a shadow on things that, right, the likelihood of something changing is clearly going down if, if one or both people aren't willing to learn what they're actually, you know, 
being presented with by the relationship. Yeah, because we said it earlier, they take work. And if you're not willing to work on it, even in a in a happy relationship, I always tell Sarah, it's like, we're happy and we're going along, but why not try to be happier? You know, like there's, there's a baseline and you, I think we kind of just get comfortable in that, in that baseline, whether it's as an individual or as a couple or kind of at both. Whereas it's part of my type A personality. I'm always trying to improve. So it's like, why don't we try to make it even better? You know? And, and I think it can be unhealthy for doing that too much, but, but certainly to, to try to, try to raise the bar of, of your relationship uh, can never hurt. Well, yeah, definitely. And I think uh, certainly long-term relationships have the reputation of uh, being boring or you, know, you lose the spark, you lose the passion. Um, and I don't think that needs to happen at all. I think that uh, if you understand how to actually um, be in a relationship and specifically how to relate to yourself in a way that you can find out what's really going on under the, under the surface, be committed to speaking the truth in, a, uh, in an authentic way where, oh, you're getting down into your body about, wow, you know, I've noticed my stomach is in a knot and I've been scared um, and I'm scared because you, you've been talking to that person over there um, in the party and I'm afraid that you don't love me anymore, like that kind of stuff, which is not so easy to do, but gets down underneath uh, so that you can start to get to what the real issues are and create a uh, more ongoing connection. And, and I think over time, uh, increasing passion. So I, I appreciate Chase that you've got that uh, attitude because yes, why not bigger, better? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so true. It's like Sarah and I have been together for almost eight years now and we were always pretty happy and, and doing well, but ever since we started doing this podcast, it's like basically marriage relationship counseling, and and I always tell people you wanna you wanna try to fix something before it's broken, or or not not fix, but like work on something before it's broken, and then you'll have the tools if you hit a road bump. But I felt like, and I think Sarah can attest to this, that through the podcast and talking to people like yourself, our love and our passion has, has only grown. Yeah. I love that you've figured out a way to do that, to support your relationship. That is very creative of you too. Yeah. Thanks. That's why we do this is that we can broadcast it around the world and, and people listening at home can use this same information. And, and I always like to hammer down, like if you're unhappy, certainly it's valuable. But even if, if someone is listening to this and they're like, oh, our relationship's good, like there's always places to improve and to open and learn more and, and create more love. Right. And I would say to, um, to those folks, and like first, bravo. Um, and second, all right, so how are you doing yourself with your own personal aliveness? Because sometimes we, um, it seems like we make a choice. Okay, the relationship is fine. I'm going to do everything I can to keep things from, you know, keep the boat from rocking too much. Uh, so I'll just, you know, sort of the yes, dear syndrome. I know I'll just, as long as I just say yes, dear, uh, it'll keep the, the water smooth. Um, but then there's the cost to the, 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 the individual who's not actually saying what they really want. And I think that is a, of a main issue for people that over time the yes dear becomes kind of the smoldering resentment about but I never really get to have what I want it's always what they want 
Um, and so I think that is tricky in relationships. How can both people get everything they want? Um, and especially how can I have self-expression and maintain connection that feels um, really good and intimate? It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and that's great advice because I think it is easy to sort of get complacent in the, the as you say, the yes dear mode because that sort of doesn't rock the boat. Things are going kind of smooth, but in, it's like a bunch of little tiny pinpricks. And over time, you're going to bleed out because you're not being true to yourself. You're not being true to the relationship. And it might be hard to have certain conversations or to truly express your feelings, but you're just going to be so much happier in the long run if you if you can do that. Yes, and there's a process I teach over and over that people can find in either of my books, uh, Relationship Ride or the Relationship Skills Workbook, That's that really, to me, because I was so uh, unclear, how do you do this? Like, okay, if I'm mad in, in my relationship and I know I shouldn't say the really mean things, right? I shouldn't say things like, well, see, uh, you never, uh, you're, you're always doing the wrong thing. You're always being late. You're always, I know I shouldn't be doing that. I know I shouldn't call people names. Okay, got that, got that. But then I don't really, I didn't know what I should say. Like, so I would just kind of not say anything or I just kind of push it down and think, oh, this is going to get better sometime. But finding a way to speak in a non-blaming way, now that's not easy for me to actually go in there and find out what's the real truth and then come back out in a way um, and talk about it um, where my the person around me or people around me can um, hear it instead of getting defensive. I think that's tricky. And um, I think as people understand there's a way to do it, um, it's not even that complicated. I mean, what, what I teach people to do is notice what a sensation is in their body like a tight jaw or headache or thirsty or any sensation in their body because it takes them into their body and then go from the sensation to an emotion and i just use a small list of emotions it's like that um that great movie um inside out they just had they used only five emotions i think it's a great idea like small list not very complicated. Well, I feel slightly annoyed and a little perplexed. It's like, blah, just mad, sad, glad, scared. And with adults, I add sexual on there. It's like, what is really going on in your body? So from a sensation to an emotion, uh, my jaw is tight. I feel angry. And then how to, to talk about that in a way that's not blaming the other person. Um, so every emotion has a function to it. Anger is about stopping intrusion. Um, fear is about noticing a threat. Sadness is about uh, tuning into a loss. So being able to just drop down in, okay, I feel uh, my, my chest is tight. I feel scared. I feel scared that um, you don't like me. So now I'm going to feel scared. Now, it doesn't mean you don't like me. It just means I feel scared. And so what I really want, which I think is also, I think that is unarguable, I, I want more connection and contact with you. Um, I want to have a few minutes today or something. Like To actually get underneath in a non-blaming way is a really great tool for people to develop over time. It's, it, to me, it's, it what, it's what actually allows people to get through difficult conflicts and stay connected. Absolutely. And that's, that's great uh, information and a great exercise 
and it's it's not easy to do and especially it's if, not easy most, to do. <laughs> yeah most of us haven't haven't grown up doing that and no. and even if you grow up you know in a healthy family and everything it just expressing yourself and then especially in a relationship um understanding the feelings you're having and then like so many things we talk about it coming down to communication so understanding these these feelings through the practice that you you just described and then communicating that to your partner you know because we always say don't assume your partner knows what the, you're thinking and yeah it's and, great advice yeah so that's a great great exercise yeah i was working with a couple and uh they were together so long they barely talked to each other i mean which is partly why they came in but <laughs> they kept shooting each other's looks <laughs> and i would miss it because i was looking at the other one but the other, you know i could yep. see the reaction they didn't need to say anything but but they both were convinced that they knew what the other person was feeling and they they were way off but they they actually didn't even believe it <laughs> yep. it's like no, i know what she's thinking she wriggled her left eyebrow uh -huh. and i Exactly what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's, sad. That's a good point. You know, nonverbal that you think you're you're conveying to your partner by acting, you know, pouty around the house that they're gonna <laughs> pick up on it, and get then it. you get mad that they don't pick up on it, and it's like, and, and I'm not. That happens. I've done it. You know, I think. Yeah. I think sure. it's human, and and that's what makes it so hard to sort of step back. Ask yourself what you're feeling. I, I like that exercise. First, identify sort of the physical thing that's going on. You, you feel the tension in your back and then say, okay, why, what is the emotion that is causing this? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it tends to leap over what the mind wants it to be because people would be like, I'm really mad at you. Uh, you were late again. And then I'll say, well, okay, what's the feeling? What's the sensation? Well, I feel uh, nauseated. My stomach just is in a big knot. Well, that's actually where fear lives is in the stomach. And so they think that they're mad because their mind says they should be mad. But what's really happening is that they're afraid. So if they, if people can pay attention to the body sensations, the body is very reliable. Mind, not so much. Mind kind of shifts with the tides body will tell us what we're feeling. So yeah, if we're willing to tune into the sensation, it will tell us, uh, our bodies will tell us what the emotion is. And then we can start to move through the emotion. Well, that's all great advice. Well, now it's time for the lasting love round. I'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. No, great. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Notice when they're in reactive brain and wait till they're in creative brain um, to actually have a conversation and then maybe appreciate their partners while they're in creative brain. I love it. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship? I'd recommend mine, the Relationship Skills Workbook. It's very much into what are the tools. It's very concrete. Well, great. We'll have that book in all the show notes from today's interview on idopodcast.com, and you'll be in the archives. We've been married for almost two years now. Is there any advice you would give to newlyweds? Oh, uh, let's see. This is the lightning round. I had to be fast. Oh, it doesn't have to be fast. The questions are just fast. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I can take a little more take time. Take your time. I would say enjoy the newlywedness as much as you can. Put as much 
great sex and of course you have a little baby now but still she still <laughs> she still sleeps a lot put put as much great sex and great times into your well-being and bank account so that down the road um you can draw back from that yeah as overall see if you can put lots into your well-being bank account because um fights tend to drain those accounts pretty fast and you don't want to go become bankrupt love that what advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? What's your relationship with yourself? And what can you learn about what's going on within you about uh, like just really walking around in the world as you let yourself get triggered to um, add to your emotional literacy about, oh, this is what I'm feeling here. This is what I'm feeling there so that you're creating your own language internally, because then you're going to be easy to relate to um, when you're in an intimate relationship. Love that. Yeah. The more you can understand yourself in a relationship or before, the better off you're going to be once you're in one. Definitely. Well, we have really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Um, my, my website is Julia Colwell. C-O-L-W-E-L-L dot com. I'm in Boulder, Colorado, so they can stop by the Boulder Center for Conscious Community. Awesome. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show and all the generous knowledge you've given us. It's my pleasure. Thank you both. Thanks for doing this great work that you're doing out in the world. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks.